Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also join me for my live show five days a week, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670 KMZQ. If you forget all that, you can also check out HeidiHarris.com, where my books are up there, blog posts, obviously podcast archives, and there's a link to listen live to the show from anywhere at HeidiHarris.com. This week, I had Dr. Dan Laird on. He's a pain doctor and an attorney. We were talking about the NFL player who a couple of weeks ago killed a pain doctor and his entire family. Some people said it was because he'd been cut off from pain medicine. And I wanted to talk to Dr. Dan Laird about the problem that people in chronic pain have and then, of course, distinguishing them from the actual abusers. Here's Dr. Dan Laird and my conversation with him. Dr. Dan Laird, welcome back to the Heidi Hair Show. Glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's so important. Every time I have you on the show, a million people are tweeting about this because I guess a lot of people feel as if they don't, they're not heard. Their voices are not heard. They're not criminals. They legitimately have problems and they're treated like they're trying to rob the place if they show up with a, a, a you know, some kind of prescription. Right. It's a very, very difficult time for, uh, to be a chronic pain patient. It's never, of course, been easy, but the, the recent uh, response to the opioid crisis uh, has caused uh, some difficulties, which many many people see it as an overreaction to a legitimate problem, which is the opioid crisis, which did start um, as overprescribing in the 90s. However, now, as you pointed out, and, and I, I know that many of the chronic pain patients in Nevada and otherwise uh, very much appreciate the fact that you've taken a very uh, nuanced and uh, intelligent approach to this issue because it is a complex issue and you are uh, have been a, a light for chronic pain patients and I know that you're very much appreciated. But uh, it is most of the deaths that are occurring now, as you pointed out, are due to illicit fentanyl, which is being manufactured in China and brought in through Mexico. Yeah, this is a mess. We're speaking with Dr. Dan Laird, who's a pain doctor and also an attorney, talking about chronic pain and, and the situations that people are in. And uh, there were reports that this NFL player who recently killed a family of five, including his pain doctor, did it because his pain medication was cut off. And he could have had CTE, and that's another topic for another day. We don't know about all the other factors. But, you know, the issue is, and Metro was just talking about this the other day, as you saw, Dr. Laird. They were talking about the fentanyl that's on the streets. And so, so talk a little bit about that. A person who's in chronic, legitimate pain. Legi- we're not talking about people who just want to be stoned. People in legitimate pain who are cut off and no longer allowed to get a prescription because the pharmacy won't give it to them or they're worried about being written up or something are turning to the streets where people are taking this fentanyl, as you talked about, this cheap Chinese fentanyl. They're putting it in these pills that look like hydrocodone. And that's the majority of the people who are dying, correct? Absolutely. As I said, there was an overprescribing problem in the 90s. We're now approaching a 10-year low in opioid prescribing, legitimate opioid prescribing in the medical profession, and yet opioid overdoses are have never been higher. They're at an all-time high. And so most of that, uh, well, what happened was politicians and regulators in response to the opioid crisis passed a lot of uh, rules and laws and guidelines that were interpreted as laws, and it made physicians very reluctant to prescribe opiates it made pharmacists very reluctant to dispense them. And then what's happened as it's become more and more difficult for chronic pain patients uh, to access medication, they, in some instances, have turned to the street. 
I, I should say, Heidi, that the vast, vast majority of chronic pain patients do not need opioids. Opioids are a dangerous class of drugs. They should be prescribed with extreme caution and usually as a last resort. And the, the vast majority of chronic pain patients, opioids are not uh, appropriate. There's 50 million people with chronic pain in America, and the vast majority of those, of course, are not on opioids. But it's, it's become very difficult. And as you said with uh, Philip Adams, we really don't have access to the facts that allow us to do much more than speculate. But there were news reports that uh, the physician had... Uh, discontinued the opioids and it's hard that's a little bit hard for me to believe since the physician in question was a very highly respected uh dr robert leslie who was experienced in hospice care and palliative care and was very likely quite knowledgeable about opioids but certainly abrupt discontinuation of opioids in a chronic pain patient uh, is a recipe for disaster. That's That's been shown over and over. Yeah, no question about that. And I'm, and I'm sure, obviously, with withdrawal and then you're going to the streets or when when possibly, we don't know, but, but possibly he had some other brain issues that contributed to the situation. It's just, it's just traumatic that anybody should have to, to not be able to get what they need. But also, when you're a pain doctor, we're speaking, by the way, with Dr. Dan Laird, who's a pain doctor and an attorney, when you're trying to get a pain medication, you're always trying to, I would imagine as a doctor, trying to strike the balance, right? You don't want people stoned out of their minds. You don't want people to become dependent, but people need a certain amount of pain management. Some people will have to live with whatever kind of pain, a certain amount forever, obviously. You can't necessarily knock it all out. Talk a little bit about trying to balance that with your patients. Um, you bet. I, uh, I consider pain management to be the most uh, interesting and a fascinating area of medicine because it is so multifocal and the because it affects uh, it's not just a physical problem it affects your entire life it affects your ability to work your ability to recreate your ability to have uh, meaningful interpersonal relationships and when this chronic pain monster is on your back all the time it's all you can think about but when we treat chronic pain we usually approach it in a multimodal fashion where we use, uh, you know, start with physical modalities such as heat, ice, stretching, exercise, physical therapy, etc., and uh, then add to that uh, non-opioid medications. Um, some of the antidepressants have been used to treat pain. Of course, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like uh, Advil, uh, naproxen, those kinds of things. And there's probably 10 or 15 different classes of medications we use to treat pain before we get to opioids. So the people who use opioids or need them is a very small percentage of overall chronic pain patients. But what's so important is that it's the doctor's job to constantly monitor that patient for addiction. And so we've got to be looking. That's why most of these patients on opioids are seen monthly. They're given no more than a 30-day supply. I have several patients who have psychiatric comorbidities that I believe makes it unsafe to prescribe more than a week at a time. Wow. And so uh, I write them four prescriptions for the month, uh, see them monthly, and, and uh, it's just the, the whole issue of opioid and pain management needs to be approached with extreme caution. And unfortunately, this backlash uh, or, or overregulation, or pain patients would tell you that the pendulum has, strung, has swung too far. 
right. uh, has made it very, very difficult for a group of people who are really in a difficult position, and the vast majority of them uh, are not violent. They're not criminals. I've been doing this for 25, more than 25 years, and I've never had a patient threaten violence. Um, so it's difficult to say what happened in the Philip Adams case. It may well have been in part due to the chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy. It may have been uh, just plain old addiction that was uh, out of control. Or it may have been, and again, and again, this is just pure speculation. I don't have access to any of the facts. But it may have been mismanagement of a, a taper of the opioids. Right. Um, there's been a, yeah. something going and we don't know. That's a possibility, too. And as you mentioned, we're speaking with Dr. Dan Laird, who's a pain doctor and also an attorney. And you're talking about the multifaceted aspect of pain management. And what if it's weight? I mean, if you're 100 pounds overweight, your knees are going to hurt more than they otherwise hurt. If I eat sugar, I know I shouldn't have sugar ever. If I eat too much sugar, my arthritis hurts like hell. It just does, doctor. And I know it because it causes inflammation and it's my own fault. Yep. And I have myself to blame. <laughs> so I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm just saying this is what happens. I know what happens. And then if you're in pain, then you take more pain pills and blah, 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 blah. And there goes the, you know, this, this, you're spinning out of control. And so these are something, you know, as you mentioned, there are different ways to handle the whole situation. But imagine if you're a professional athlete, I'm sure you probably deal with some of these people who are maybe either ballerinas or athletes or something like that over the course of their lives. And you are in a lot of pain in various, you know, joints and things like that as you get older, just because of injuries and whatnot. Talk a little bit about that. You bet. Um, military veterans, uh, certainly right. professional athletes, football players, uh, boxers, virtually any kind of contact sport, um, as you said, dancers, skaters, uh, are prone to have chronic pain. And it is a complex problem. And one of the worst things a doctor can do, the, the hugest disservice to the patient, is to start opioids and then escalate the dose. Um, that's a dead-end street. Uh, because there's a certain degree of tolerance that develops. So the vast majority of chronic pain patients, you know, they're used to having people or politicians uh, say something to them like, well, did you did you try exercise or did you try a heating pad or did you try uh, icy hot or icy heat? And they just roll their eyes because, you know, if you're in chronic pain, you've dealt with this for years usually, and if you're on opioids, it's, you, you got there after trying virtually everything else that, that failed. And usually it's not one drug that's the answer. It's a combination of, uh, in these patients with, like, I, I see a lot of military veterans who rode around in Jeeps or helicopters wow, and right. they're, you know, bouncing around and they have, uh, spinal, uh, pain and radiculopathy as a result of that. And it's a combination of injections, physical therapy, a variety of different medications, physical modalities, et cetera. It becomes a, a, a complex but fascinating problem to deal with from a medical standpoint. No, it is. We're speaking with Dr. Dan Laird. You know, and it is and it is so hard to see people treated like criminals, as we mentioned, for getting pain medication. But ultimately, you know, we, we've got to get a handle on this because you don't need more people dying from buying pills on the street. I mean, I don't want to tell people, please, don't buy pills that somebody made in their bathroom. And I don't know if some of these people can even tell if these pills are fake on the black market, right? I mean, because these pill machines look pretty good, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's so scary. It's never been more scary than it is now. And what, what happens is these criminals, uh, they go on websites. And I've actually, I had, I've had patients show me these websites 
where they're Chinese websites where you can actually purchase uh, powdered fentanyl. Fentanyl, when it's used medicinally, it's been used in anesthesiology for at least 50 years, I believe. And it's a liquid injectable, and it's made by legitimate pharmaceutical companies. But we're not talking about liquid pharmaceutical-grade fentanyl. We're talking about fentanyl that comes in powder form, and it's manufactured in China in these labs. And you can, if you're a criminal, you can order this online. They'll ship it to you uh, by uh, FedEx or, or some kind of international shipper. And uh, it, it looks like uh, they'll disguise it as something like flour or dog food or something. Wow. It'll be labeled as. And then they, like you were mentioning earlier, they'll buy these, they're called pill presses, and they you put the powder into the pill press, and it will form a tablet that looks exactly like whatever pharmaceutical you want with with down to the indentations, the imprint of the milligrams and the pharmaceutical company's uh, logo, et cetera. And then they're sold on the street, and that's how people are dying. And I think you mentioned Eric Bowling's son, who I believe he thought he was taking a Xanax, and it was actually a fentanyl tablet. I believe my understanding is that Prince died when he believed that he was taking a Norco or a hydrocodone tablet, and it was a tablet of fentanyl. Um, and the, the problem is that fentanyl is 1,000 times more potent than uh, morphine, so it's, it's deadly if you don't have very substantial opioid tolerance. Yeah, wasn't fentanyl initially designed for cancer patients, for dying people? Well, it, it, there, are, there is a spray, a, a sublingual spray, that was used for cancer patients. And that was, there's a lot of controversy around that. But fentanyl itself in the liquid form is is a mainstay of general anesthesia. If you've had, <coughs> excuse me, if a patient has had a general anesthetic for like gallbladder, appendix, uh, hysterectomy, whatever, and you've gone completely under general anesthesia, chances are very great that you've had uh, intravenous fentanyl. And it really, from an anesthetic standpoint, it's a great drug because it comes on quickly, it's very potent, and then it goes away quickly. So it's ideal for like an outpatient surgery where you want the patient to wake up and be able to go home. Uh, but they've put a whole new spin on it with these the powdered fentanyl, which is made into tablets. And then there's been a lot of abuse of other forms of fentanyl. There's a fentanyl patch, uh, which you stick on your arm, and that was, I believe, developed for cancer patients, and it still is used for uh, cancer. If, Like if you have an oral cancer where you can't swallow. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So the, the fentanyl patch can be a godsend because it's either that or gets stuck with a needle. And so it does have a place. The, the fentanyl is a, is a mainstay of, of anesthesiology, but wow, it's really, it was a drug that Almost no one had ever heard of outside of anesthesiology, and now it's a common household right. term because so many people have died. Well, it's got a place, but it's not on the street, that's for sure. Dr. Dan Laird, thank you, as always, for your perspective and the information. I so appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow him at Dan Laird, MD or FlamingoPain.com. 
Always great getting his perspective on things because everybody acts like anybody who wants pain pills is a criminal. And somewhere between the addicts who just want to get high and the people who live in chronic pain is the actual truth. I'm Heidi Harris. Join me weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon, live for my show on AM 670 KMZQ. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. <laughs>